all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join What's going on, my fantastic Far, Far Away family? How is everyone doing today? I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing really new and exciting happening on mine. You know, same old stuff. Okay, I guess one thing. Saturday was my birthday. Yeah, I'm getting old. But anyway, we went out with the family and I had a good time. But with everything going on, you know, with the coronavirus and the shutdowns, we really couldn't do too much. We just went out to dinner and me and the wife had a few drinks. And it, it was all right. It was a good time. But you just really can't do anything anymore. Plus, I got a little cold as you can hear. No, it's not the corona. I got tested and the test came back negative. But it doesn't make it any easier. My nose is all clogged up and I can't stop coughing, which makes everybody look at you all the time. But it's all right. We're going to push through it. Together, there's nothing the Star Wars fans can't overcome. I promise you, if we really put our heads to it, we could probably cure the coronavirus. But where should we start today? Oh, who had a chance to see the Star Wars Holiday Special? Honestly, what did you think? Shoot me an email with your thoughts. I would love to hear what you guys thought about the new show. Personally, I thought it was pretty good. It took me back. It gave me a childlike feeling. You know, it made me feel like a kid again. But overall, I thought it was cute. Okay, on to the Mandalorian. Yes, you know we're going to talk about the Mandalorian for a bit. We have to. That's like a rule. You cannot have a Star Wars podcast or a Star Wars show like this and not talk about the Mandalorian. That would be like sacrilegious or something. You have to talk about the Mandalorian. But like I said last week, if you haven't seen the latest episode, it's not my fault if this spoils it for you. The episode came out last week. If we start a whole new week and you haven't watched it yet, that's your fault, not mine. I mean, that's just crazy that four days have went by since it came out and you haven't watched it yet. You gotta be watching you. I don't know what you're waiting on. So skip ahead if you don't wanna hear about this part. But like I said before, I had a feeling that we were not going to see Ahsoka this episode. The Razor Crest was too messed up to take a long journey like that. I have been around this industry far too long. And as soon as I saw the way the crest looked, I knew that they was going to put in a couple more episodes before we got Ahsoka. Plus, I knew that they were not going to reveal her that easily. They got to build up anticipation. They got to make you excited about seeing her. Maybe this week's episode, but I think it will either be next week or the week after that. Only time will tell, though. We don't know what's going to happen. Disney always does some crazy stuff. Okay, let's get to some news and rumors. But before we get too far into this part, I heard some really good news. Like, really, really good news. I was listening to Rebel Force Radio podcast last week. And yes, I listen to other Star Wars podcasts. I'm a Star Wars fan. If it was up to me, I would listen to Star Wars all the time. That's all I would listen to. But my boy said that they heard from a really solid source that Boba Fett series is a go. It's not a rumor, but it's fact. Now, this is some he says she said because they said they heard it from a source. But if my boy said it to be true and he said it was from someone that he trusts, I believe him. I think we're going to get the series. Okay, what else do I got for you guys? Disney's up-and-coming Star Wars animated series, The Bad Batch, will reportedly bring back a fan-favorite character from the past Star Wars cartoons. Cinelax reports having learned that The Bad Batch will be featuring the return of Bo-Katan. The Mandalorian leader, who recently debuted in the live-action Mandalorian, Katie Sackhoff plays Bo-Katan both as her voice actor and as a live-action actor. The Bad Batch reportedly occurs after the events of the Siege of Mandalore. This means Bo-Katan will fill in the gaps left between then and her reemergence of Star Wars Rebels. She recently stated that she loved to explore more of Bo-Katan's past. According to Disney, the Bad Batch follows the elite and experimental Clone Wars of the Bad Batch. They were first introduced in the Clone Wars as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy and immediately after the aftermath of the Clone Wars. Members of the Bad Batch are unique 
unique squad of clones who are very different from their brothers in the clone army. Each member possesses exceptional skills which makes them effective soldiers and formidable crew. In the post-Clone Wars era, they will take a daring mercenary missions and struggle to stay afloat and find a new purpose. Okay, enough with the Bad Batch. Now let's get to the book. Because we left off last episode with Death knocking out his lieutenant. Let's see what he has planned next. The outpost was located in a clearing on the top of a plateau overlooking the valley. Under the cover of night, the Gloomwalkers had moved silently through the jungle until they had it surrounded. Dez had broken the unit up into four squads, each approaching from a different side. Each squad carried an interference box with it. They had set up and activated the I-boxes once they'd closed to within half a kilometer of the base, jamming all transmissions within their perimeter. The squads had continued on to the edges of the clearing, then stopped, waiting for Dez to give them the signal to move in. With no communication among the squads, the I-boxes jammed their own equipment as well. The most reliable signal was the sound of blaster fire. Okay, this chapter starts off with action. It jumps right into them about to attack the outpost. But I have a problem with the way they go about it. It says that the I-boxes that they use to jam the Republic communication also jams their own communications. So they can't talk to each other. A blaster shot is the sound that they will use to trigger the attack. But what happens if someone is spotted on the other side and they shoot first? Dez's people will go before they are supposed to and they will get cut down by the other side. The Republic soldiers are going to cut them down. Not a great plan in my opinion. As he stared across the clearing at the three repulsor craft sitting on the landing pad atop the outpost's roof, Dez felt a familiar feeling in the pit of his stomach. All soldiers felt the same thing going into battle, whether they admitted it or not. Fear. Fear of failure. Fear of dying. Fear of watching their friends die. Fear of being wounded and living out the rest of their days crippled or maimed. The fear was always there, and it would devour you if you let it. Dez knew how to turn that fear to his own advantage. Take what makes you weak and turn it into something that makes you strong. Transform the fear into anger and hate. Hatred of the enemy. Hatred of the Republic and the Jedi. The hate gave him strength, and the strength brought him victory. For Dez, the transformation came easily once the fighting started. Thanks to his abusive father, He'd been turning fear into anger and hate ever since he was a child. Maybe that was why he was such a good soldier. Maybe that was why the others looked to him for leadership. They were waiting on his signal even now, waiting for him to take the first shot. As soon as he did, they'd charge the outpost. The Gloom Walkers were outnumbered nearly two to one. They'd need the advantage of surprise to even out the odds. But those gunships were a problem Dez hadn't anticipated. The clearing was surrounded by bright lights that illuminated everything within a hundred meters of the outpost itself. And even though the repulsor craft were grounded, there was a soldier stationed in the open flatbed at the rear of each vehicle operating the turrets. The armored walls of the flatbed rose to waist height to give the gunner some cover, and the turret itself was heavily shielded to protect it from enemy fire. From the landing pad on the roof, the gunners had a clear view of the surrounding area. If he fired that first shot, the other units would charge out into the clearing and right into a storm of heavy repeating blaster fire. They'd be torn apart like Zucker, tossed into a rancor pit. 
This doesn't sound like a good situation. They're outnumbered two to one. There's lights everywhere on the other side, has repeating cannons. They're heavily armored. I would think that they're about to get their butts kicked. What's the matter, Sarge? One of the soldiers in his squad asked. It was Uchiha, the junior trooper who delivered Ulibor's orders to him earlier. What are we waiting for? It was too late to call off the mission. The main army was already on the move. By the time Dez got back to camp to warn them, they'd be halfway through the valley. He glanced down at the young recruit and noticed the scope on her weapon. Lucia was carrying a TC-17 long-range blaster rifle. Her knuckles were white from gripping her weapon too tightly in fear and anticipation. She'd seen only minor combat duty before being assigned to the Gloomwalkers. But Dez knew she was one of the best shots in the unit. The TC-17 was only good for a dozen shots before the power cell had to be switched out. But it had a range well over 300 meters. Each of the four squads had a sniper assigned to it. When the fighting began, their job was to watch the perimeter of the battle and make sure none of the Republic soldiers escaped to warn their main camp. See those soldiers standing in the rear of the gunships? The ones working the flash cannons? He asked her. She nodded. If we don't get rid of them somehow, they're going to turn our squads into turret fodder about ten seconds after this battle begins. She nodded again, her eyes wide and scared. Des tried to keep his voice even and professional to calm her down. I want you to think about this very carefully now, Trooper. How fast do you think you could take them out from here? She hesitated. I... I don't even know if I could, Sarge. Not all of them. Not from this angle. I could get a line on the first one, but as soon as he goes down, I doubt the others will stand still long enough for me to take aim. They'll probably duck down in the flatbed for cover. And even if I take the gunners out, there's half a dozen more soldiers on that roof who would jump in to take their places. I can't drop nine targets that fast by myself, Sarge. Nobody can. Des bit his lip and tried to figure out an answer to the problem. There were only three gunships. If he could somehow get a message to the sniper in each squad and have them fire at exactly the same time, they might be able to take out the unsuspecting gunners, though they'd still have to stop the other six soldiers from replacing them. He cut off his own line of thought with a silent curse. It would never work. Because of the eye boxes, there was no way to get a message to the other squads in time. Okay, Dez looks to his best sniper, but Lucia is like, that's impossible. There's no way that I can take out that many people at once. Then Dez has another idea, but then he realizes if he could get a message to the other snipers, they might all be able to fire at the same time and get it done. Then he remembers that the eye boxes are blocking their communications as well. I knew these boxes was going to cause problems. How the heck are you supposed to coordinate an attack and you can't talk to each other? That's just a problem. Taking the sniper rifle from Lucia's hands, he brought the weapon up and set his eye to the scope to get a better look at the situation. He scanned the roof quickly from side to side, noting the position of every Republic soldier. With the magnification of the scope, he could make out their features clear enough to see their lips moving as they spoke. The situation was practically hopeless. The outpost was the key to taking Fasira, and the turrets on the roof were the key to taking the outpost. But Des was out of options and almost out of time. He felt the fear stronger than ever and took a deep breath to focus his mind. Adrenaline began to pump through his veins as he redirected the fear to give him strength and power. 
He lined the blaster's scope up on one of the gunners, and a red veil fell across his vision. And then he fired. He acted on instinct, moving too quickly to let his conscious thoughts get in the way. He didn't even see the first soldier drop. The scope was already moving to his next target. The second gunner had just enough time to open his eyes wide in surprise before Dez fired and moved on to the third. But she'd seen the first gunner go down and had already dropped down behind the armored walls of the gunship's flatbed for cover. Dez resisted the impulse to fire wildly and moved the scope in a tight circle, looking in vain for a clean shot. The sound of blaster fire exploded in the night, along with shouts and pounding feet as the gloomwalkers burst from their cover and rushed the outpost. They followed their orders to the letter, charging out of the sound of the first shot. Dez knew he had only a few seconds before the turrets opened up on them and turned the clearing into a killing field. But he couldn't see the shot to take out the third gunner. He whipped the rifle around in desperation, looking for a new target on the roof. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. He set his sights on a soldier crouched down low beside a small canister. The soldier wasn't moving, and he'd covered his face with his hands as if shielding his vision. The blast from Dez's weapon hit him square in the chest, just as the device at the soldier's feet detonated. Flash canister! Lucia screamed, but her warning came too late. The view through the scope vanished in a brilliant white flare, temporarily blinding Dez. But with his vision gone, he could suddenly see everything clearly. He knew the position of every soldier, even as they all scrambled for cover. He could track exactly where they were and where they were going. The soldier in the third turret was training the cannons on the incoming wave of troopers. In the excitement, she'd popped her head up just slightly above the walls of the flatbed, leaving the smallest of targets exposed. Dennis took her with a single shot, the bolt going in cleanly through one ear hole on her helmet and out the other. It was as if time had slowed down. Moving with a calm and deadly precision, he trained his rifle on the next target, taking her through the heart. Barely a moment later, he got the soldier beside her right between his cold blue eyes. Dez took one man in the back as he ran for the nearest gunship. Another was halfway up one of the flatbed's ladders when a bolt sliced through his thigh, knocking him off balance. He fell from the ladder, and Dez put another shot through his chest before he hit the ground. It had taken less than three seconds to wipe out eight of the nine soldiers. The last one made a run for the edge, hoping to escape by diving off the roof on the far side of the building. Dez let him run. He could feel the terror coming in waves off his doomed prey. He savored it for as long as he could. The soldier leapt from the rooftop and seemed to hang in midair for a second. Dez fired his last three shots into his body 
draining the weapon's power cell. Okay, Dez takes Lachita's rifle from her and uses the scope. He wants to get a better view of what they're dealing with. He makes a quick pass around and doesn't see a way to win. Then he starts to get scared. He knows he doesn't have time to get back to their base camp and radio to the main army that the Pulse is still up. But at this point, he starts to turn his fear into anger and then he pulls the trigger, taking down the first soldier. Before the other soldier even had time to move, Dez shoots and takes him down. Then he gets hit with a flash grenade. But instead of blinding him, it causes him to be able to see better. But then he becomes a beast and takes out nine soldiers in like five seconds. If I was in this war, I'd want to be on Dez's squad. He handed the weapon back to Lucia, blinking rapidly at the tears welling up as his eyes tried to soothe their damaged retinas. The effects of the flash canister were only temporary. His vision was already beginning to return, and the miraculous second sight he'd experienced was slipping away. Rubbing his eyes, he knew now was not the time to think about what had just happened. He'd eliminated the gunners. But his troops were still outnumbered. They needed him down in the hot zone, not here on the edges of the battle. Keep an eye on that roof, he ordered Lucia. If any of those Republic mud crutches appear on top, take them out before they get to the gunships. She didn't reply. Her mouth was hanging open in amazement at what she'd just witnessed. Des grabbed her by the shoulder and gave her a rough shake. Snap out of it, trooper! You've got a job to do! She shook her head to gather her senses and nodded, then loaded another energy cell into her weapon. Satisfied, Des pulled out the 21D and charged across the clearing, eager to join in the battle. So after his amazing feat of shooting everyone, he was so anxious to get back to the battle. But first he had to get Lucia ready. He tells her to shoot any Republic soldier that tries to get up on the big guns. But she is just sitting there stunned by what she just saw. She doesn't know how he was able to kill all those people, especially after he was blinded by a flash grenade. Dez has to shake her to wake her up, like, wake up, get up. He tells her what she needs to do. Then he pulls out his blaster and rushes to join the battle. I don't know why these people are always rushing to get shot. Three hours later, it was all over. The mission had been a complete success. The outpost was theirs, and the Republic had no idea that thousands of Sith troopers were marching through the valley to attack them at first light. The battle itself had been short but bloody. Forty-six Republic soldiers dead, and nine of Dez's own. Every time a Gloomwalker went down, part of Dez felt he'd failed somehow. But given the nature of their mission, keeping the casualties under double digits was more than he could have reasonably hoped for. Once their objective was secured, he'd left Adonar and a small contingent to hold the outpost. With Dez in the lead, the rest of the unit marched back to its base camp. Along the way, he tried to ignore the hushed whispers and furtive looks the rest of the company was giving him. Lucia had spread the word of his amazing shooting, and it was the talk of the unit. None of them was brave enough to say anything to his face, but he could hear snippets of conversation from the ranks behind him. Honestly, he couldn't blame them. Looking back, even he wasn't sure what had happened. Dez was a good marksman, but he was no sniper. Yet somehow, he'd managed to pull off a dozen impossible shots with a weapon he'd never fired before, most of them after being blinded by a flash canister. It was beyond unbelievable. 
It was as if, when he'd lost his vision, some mysterious power had taken over and guided his actions. It was exhilarating. But at the same time, it was terrifying. Where had this power come from? And why couldn't he control it? He was so wrapped up in his thoughts that at first he didn't even notice the strangers waiting at their base camp. It was only after they stepped up and slapped the stun cuffs on his wrists that he realized what was going on. So the complete battle took three hours, and I love the way that it is said. It only took three hours, and it was a complete success. They were getting shot at for three hours. That would be like visiting the worst place ever for three hours. But after the battle was over, Dez tallies up the losses. 46 Republic soldiers were dead, and nine of the Gloomwalkers. Whenever Dez lost one of the Gloomwalkers, he felt like he had failed in some way. He felt a little bit responsible. At least we know Dez has some kind of heart. He's not just a total jerk. But as they walk back to the base camp, Dez can hear everyone whispering about his shooting. Lucia had told everybody she was just gossiping like a mug. Des has a hard time believing in himself. He knew he had to do something with his gift, but he was more concerned with why he couldn't control his gift. Welcome back, Sergeant. Ulibor's voice was filled with bile. Des glanced around. A dozen enforcers, the military security of the Sith Army, were standing with weapons drawn. Ulibor stood behind them, a deep bruise on his face where Des had struck him. In the background, Dez could see the two junior recruits he'd left in charge of Ulibor. They were staring down at the ground, embarrassed and ashamed. Did you really think those raw recruits would keep their commanding officer trussed up like some kind of prisoner? Ulibor taunted him from behind the protective wall of armed guards. Did you really believe they would follow you in your madness? That madness saved our lives! Lucia shouted. Des held up his shackled hands to silence her. This situation could get out of hand far too easily. When nothing else happened, the lieutenant seemed to gain some courage. He stepped out from behind the protective wall of enforcers and over to Des. I warned you about disobeying orders, he sneered. Now, you get to see firsthand how the Brotherhood of Darkness deals with mutinous soldiers. A few of the Gloomwalkers began to reach slowly for their weapons, but Dez shook his head and they froze. The enforcers already had their blasters drawn and weren't afraid to use them. The troopers wouldn't manage to get off even a single shot. What's the matter, Sergeant? Ulibor pressed, drawing closer to his defeated enemy. Too close. Nothing to say. Dez knew he could kill the lieutenant with one quick move. The enforcers would take him out, but at least Ulibor would go with him. Every fiber of his being wanted to lash out and end both their lives in an orgy of blood and blaster fire. But he managed to fight the impulse. There was no point in throwing his life away. A court-martial would likely end in a death sentence, but at least, if he went to trial, he'd have a chance. Ulibor stepped up and slapped him once across the face, then spit on his boots and stepped back. Take him away, he said to the enforcers, turning his back on Dez. As Dez was taken away, he couldn't help but see the look in the eyes of Lucia and the troopers whose lives he'd saved only hours ago. He had a feeling the next time the unit went into combat, Ulibor would suffer an unfortunate and fatal accident. That realization brought the hint of a smile to his lips. 
Well, things didn't work out the way Dez had planned. Eulabor did tell them what Dez had done, and now Dez was facing a court-martial. When the troops returned to the base camp, the MPs of the Sith Army were waiting on him. There were a couple of things that I liked about this part. First is that Dez's fellow Gloomwalkers were getting ready to start shooting. Then Dez says he could kill Eulabor with a single move. And the last thing was when he said that the Gloomwalkers next battle, he had a feeling that Eulabor would have an accident and not make it. That's kind of messed up, but I can't lie when I say I think he will deserve it. The enforcers marched him through the jungle for hours, weapons drawn and trained on him the entire time. They only lowered them when they reached the sentries on the perimeter of the main Sith camp. Prisoner for a court-martial. One of the enforcers said flatly, Go tell Lord Kopesh. One of the sentries saluted and ran off. They marched Dez through the camp toward the brig. He saw recognition in the eyes of many of the soldiers. With his height and bald head, he was an imposing figure, and many of the troops had heard of his exploits. Seeing a formerly ideal soldier being brought before a court-martial was sure to leave an impression. They reached the camp's makeshift prison, a small containment field over a 3 by 3 by 3 meter pit that served as a holding area for captured spies and POWs. The enforcers had relieved him of his weapons when they first took him into custody. Now they did a more thorough search and stripped him of all other personal effects. Then they shut down the containment field and roughly tossed him in, not even bothering to release his cuffs. He landed awkwardly on the hard ground at the bottom of the hole. As he struggled to his feet, he heard an unmistakable hum as the field was activated once again, sealing him in. The pit was empty, other than Des himself. The Sith didn't tend to keep prisoners around for long. He began to wonder if he'd made a serious mistake. He'd hoped his past service might buy him some leniency at his trial, but now he realized his reputation might actually work against him. The Sith Masters weren't known for their tolerance or their mercy. He'd defied a direct order. There was a good chance they'd decide to make a harsh example of him. He couldn't say how long they'd left him at the bottom of the pit. After a while, he fell asleep, exhausted by the battle and the forced march. He slipped in and out of consciousness. At one point, it was light outside his prison, and he knew day must have come. The next time he came to, it was dark again. They hadn't fed him yet. His stomach was growling in protest as it gnawed away at itself. His throat was parched and dry. His tongue felt as if it had swollen up large enough to choke him. Despite this, there was a slowly increasing pressure on his bladder. But he didn't want to relieve himself. The pit stank enough already. Maybe they were just going to leave him here to die a slow and lonely death. Given the rumors he'd heard of Sith torture, he'd almost hoped that was the case. But he hadn't given up. Not yet. When he heard the sound of approaching footsteps, he scrambled to his feet and stood straight and tall, even though his hands were still cuffed in front of him. Through the containment field, he could just make out the blurred forms of several guards standing on the edge of the pit, along with another figure, wearing a heavy, dark cloak. Take him to my ship, the cloaked figure said in a deep, rasping voice. I will deal with this one on Korriban. 
Okay, so after the troopers march dead through the jungle for hours, they finally get to the Sith base camp. They search him and take all of his belongings. Then he gets thrown into a pit that is sealed with a force field. But he is beat by the battle and the march through the jungle. So he just passes out from exhaustion. Now it says that the sun rose and then it was dark again. So we know for at least 20 or more hours had done went by. They never fed him and he had to go to the bathroom. But right about the time that he thought it was going to get really rough, a man in a black cloak tells the others to take him to a ship. He would deal with Dez on Corban. Now, if I were Dez, I would be getting a little bit worried at this point. You gotta take me to a whole nother planet to deal with me? I'm a realist, so I would be overthinking this whole situation. I would be thinking, you are going to waste gas and time just to punish and kill me for my crimes? I'm about to get jacked up bad, but that's how my mind works. What would you be thinking if you were in this situation? Shoot us an email and tell us your thoughts. But that's all we have for today. Join us next time to find out what happens to dads on Korriban. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.